We're so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, Pastor John shares a great message that we pray will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Yeah, wasn't that awesome? Thank you, Jessica Andrews, for putting that together. That was awesome, wasn't it? And what a powerful retelling of where we were last week and where we're going this week. Uh, If you are just now joining us at Brentwood Church, we've been in this series we started last week called Wrestling with God, where we're looking at the life of Jacob, but not just the life of Jacob. We're also saying, oh, wow, we wrestle with destiny too, as individuals, but even as a church. In fact, as Sean already told you, next week we talk about and we celebrate two decades, 20 years of wrestling with destiny in this community. Yeah, I'm excited about that. You wanna be here next week. It is going to be an amazing time. Uh, This is though a series that's very personal to me and I think it's very personal to you because when we talk about destiny, we have to realize that it's not some big hokey thing. It's not some epic thing like Star Wars or Harry Potter. It's like right here and right now. In fact, what we saw last week is that destiny really just means our personal and significant contribution to God's kingdom. He has something very personal He has something very significant for you to do. And not only that as an individual, but for us as a church. And God has linked your destiny with this church for these seasons. Some of you for the seasons to come, some of you for this season right now, many of you for the seasons that have gone before. God has said, I want you to have a personal and significant contribution into what I'm doing in this spiritual family called Brentwood. And that's pretty powerful. And we've already got to see that today. In fact, just in the first service, we saw two more people raise their hand to believe in and follow Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? I love that. I never, I never ever want to not just ha- have my heart leap out of my chest when I see, I see the miracle of salvation happen right here in our midst and in our gathering. Uh, today, though, we are going to talk about the next part of that. And I'll get more into the story of Jacob. But right now, I'd like for us to stand we're going to read together the Bible. We're going to look at a, a psalm, literally a song that was written by King David. King David, at a time in his life where he was on the run, he was on the run from his own rebellious son, a son who wanted to take over his kingdom, a son who wanted to kill him. Many of you know the story of his son Absalom. And this is a moment where we're, He's alone with God, David, and he starts to just cry out to God in this place. And I want this to be sort of a prayer for us today because I think we can all relate to these words. So let's together, starting in verse one, oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I anguish in my soul with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. 
don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Wow. I will sing to the Lord because he's good for me. Here's a man crying out saying, God, I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like you're silent. I feel like it's winter in my soul. It seems like everybody's getting ahead, even my enemies, God, but, but I still trust you. I'll still cry out to you. I'll still praise you. Man, I don't know about you, but I've been in those seasons before in my life. I wanna pray right now and I wanna talk to some people who are in the waiting because I think some of you are here. If you're not in the waiting right now, man, you will be. And you'll want to cry out to God in these very words or words just like them. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you take these words from your servant David that he penned 3,000 years ago in the anguish of his heart that you have used even in this moment for us to transport us not just into that moment with him, but right now in what you're doing in our midst. We, we cry out to you, God, in our times of waiting. We cry out to you in our seasons of desperation and we praise you and it is in Christ's name that I pray this, amen. Hey, before you sit down, I want you to say, I'm ready to get out of the waiting to someone around you. Go ahead and talk to them right now. Just talk to them. Talk to your people. Yes. Last week, we started this series and I shared sort of the origin stories of Brentwood Church. You know, we're talking about 20 years and so we're looking at times in our history and we're saying, you know, how is this significant to wrestling with our destiny? Uh, Many of you who were here last week or have been a part of Brentwood Church for a while, you know that this church started with four retired ladies who brought my wife and me 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, to be a part of a team. Their goal was, of course, to uh, reestablish a 70-year-old church that had fallen on really hard times, that had almost, it was almost on, on, on life support and ready to die. And so they said, hey, would you come in and, and, and be our pastor for a season so that we can see our grandchildren come to church and them hear the gospel. Well, little did we know that God was weaving our destinies together and that not only would we go into the next season together, but we wouldn't revitalize a 70-year-old church. Instead, God would call all of us to start a new church. We would celebrate the 70 years of that previous church and on the foundation and the legacy of it, we would launch what is now Brentwood Church which as I said last week, is named after a street just down the road from that old country church, Brentwood Lane. So if you're wondering, there's nothing Hebrew or Greek about it. That's it. So we were excited. The first couple years of this church, man, it was so fun. 
we were in this little country church and we were pulling pews out and replacing them with folding chairs and we were tearing down walls in that little country church and we were parking people in the woods and in the streets and everywhere we could put them. I mean, it was a very exciting time. We recognized that we had to sell that little church building and then buy some land and start building again in a place where we could start to thrive and we could start to, to breathe a little bit. And so we did just that. We sold that old property and we bought some land on English Tavern Road in Campbell County and we started a process of building. Now, here's where it gets weird because we thought it would take a year to build that building. It ended up taking two and a half years to build that building. There's a whole story in that. I'll write a book someday on how not to build a building. That's why we waited so long to do it again. But there is some other things in that that we thought, man, this should, this should be a very exciting time. But we instead entered and crossed this threshold into strangeness and struggle. That might be where some of you are today, strangeness and struggle. It was during that two and a half years where we were sort of wondering that we met in we met in a moose lodge one summer. Yeah, we became a part of the fraternal order of moose, which was very exciting, as you can tell. I actually started, you know, just thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe I should know the secret handshake or something. We went from there to Brookville High School. Any bees in the house? Yeah, all right, all right. Yes, here you are. Hey, and, and, and that was exciting. We felt blessed. We felt blessed that, that, that they would open their doors and, and we would be able to, to meet in that space. But man, it was hard. It was hard. A lot of things were hard about that season. In fact, two of those founding members, those ladies, uh, passed away during that time. And I remember being at their funeral and, I, and man, I was, I was brokenhearted. You know, I know that they were on with the Lord, but man, their, their dream hadn't quite taken off like, like I wanted to, to see it and wanted them to see it. It was during that time that some strange things happened. Uh, there was a group in our church of leaders that got mixed up in what seemed like kind of a secular cult. And I remember the elders and me had to go uh, meet with them and, and lovingly confront them about it. And it didn't go well. In fact, they left the church and they left angry and they didn't have so kind of words for me and the church leadership. I remember that. And it's like for a person who wants everyone to like them and affirm them, man, that was hard for me because I don't, I don't go out of my way to make people mad, but man, when I do, it, it, it hurts. It was during that season that I came back from a trip from India and got this strange, mysterious illness that no doctor in town could figure out. And I started dwindling away and I lost, you know, 30 pounds and man, I was weak and I, I was a shell of the energy that I once had. And, and then this was all during this time. And finally they diagnosed what it was, but it would take me another two years to get back to 100%. It was just this moment where I was like, God, for real, like things were going so well. This was so exciting. And now I'm going to die and I don't want to die. Like, I wanna, I wanna keep going in this. And it was during that time that I was sick and, and barely able to walk up the steps or pick up my kids that we then entered our brand new building and it was supposed to be so exciting. And, but man, I was a mess and I was hurting and I was struggling. And we got to the 
launch day, the inaugural Sunday, September 2004, and we realized that we had underbuilt and we were just as crowded as we had been in that little country church. And ah, uh, and then a group of people who had been with us and committed to us during this whole slog through the wilderness and the wandering and the waiting. Some of them came to me and said, hey, we just don't, th- this isn't the same church anymore. It's too crowded. It's too this, it's too that. And we're gonna, we're gonna move on. And as a person who's a chronic people pleaser, oh, please don't, you know, no, no. Man, it was a tough season. It was a tough season. I didn't think we were ever gonna get out of it, you know? And, you know, I wish I could tell you that that was the only season of waiting and wondering in our church, but man, it's not. Here's what I have learned though. I I realized that in that time of waiting, that I was waiting either for God's next breakthrough or the next breakdown to happen. And what happened was God said, I am in the waiting. I'm in this. What you think is a stall, what you think is being stuck is really the way forward. And that's something that I think some of you need to hear today because I think some of you don't realize that you're in the waiting and you're trying to get out of it. And that's what we, we wrestle, we wrestle with this. We wrestle with our destiny. And what, it, what we have to realize is that it requires waiting. It requires waiting, but come on, we're 2019 US Americans. We can order something in our bedroom on Amazon, on our phone and walk down the steps and FedEx is there waiting to deliver for us. Here you go, sir, here's your deep sea fish tank. The dolphins will be here this afternoon. We are in an instant gratification culture. We want everything instantly. We, want, we don't wanna wait in line. We don't wanna wait at a light. We don't want to wait for this tough season in our marriage. Oh yeah. We don't wanna wait to get through that. We don't wanna wait for our kid to get out of middle school. We just wanna ship them off. Come on, any middle school parents on that one? Whoo, man, I don't, I don't, want, I don't wanna wait for this. I just want, I want I just, just get to the, to the good stuff, let's get to the end of this. And the reality is we make decisions in the waiting because we wanna to try to escape from the waiting. We want to escape the waiting. And so we take things into our own hands. We take matters into our own hands and we do things in the waiting that keep us stuck longer in the waiting. I wanna answer a question today. Why do we wrestle with waiting seasons? Why is it that our human nature doesn't just embrace the waiting? Why is it that our human nature wants to fast track things that God wants to do? Why is it that we don't see the hand of God in the waiting? Well, we return to the story of Jacob. Genesis chapter 29, you can follow along in the notes in the app or in your scriptures, either on your phone or in your hand. Uh, We're going to return back to this place where Jacob was. If you remember last week, We recognize that Jacob was the younger brother of two twins. And despite the culture, God had said, I am going to fulfill the covenant I made to your grandfather through you, the younger. You are going to have a family and out of that family, a nation. And out of that nation, I'm gonna bring about the savior of the world, all humankind. I'm gonna bless the world through you. And Jacob said, okay, that's great and wonderful. I think I'll just kind of do what I want to do and take matters into my own hand. And he lived up to his name, which literally means trickster or deceiver. And he deceived his older brother into giving him both his birthright and the inheritance. 
He blew up his reputation. He made things so painful for everybody around him. And the threat of his life from his older brother, he had to leave. And he had to get out of town under the cloak of night. And he had to run to the land of his distant relatives. And if you remember last week, he was... He was there on his way. He was running out of town. He fell asleep and he probably thought to himself, God's pretty much given up on me, I'm sure. I've blown this whole thing up. I've dropped the ball. But it was in that moment that God visited him in a dream and says, hold up. No, no, no. I am giving you this land. This is your land. You will be back here someday and you will fulfill what it is that I've called you, that I've destined you to fulfill. And I think all of us last week could relate to being in that place of the meantime or the meanwhile. Well, we find Jacob now. He has gotten to that distant land of his relatives. He meets up with his uncle Laban and some stuff happens. Look what it says in verse 14. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay just because, you, just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. So you, you get the idea that Jacob's probably been thinking about this. Look what it says. It says, now Laban had two daughters. Uh-oh. The older daughter was named Leah and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. Now stop right there. Anytime... The scriptures, the Bible tells you a detail. The author, in this case, Moses, tells you a detail about somebody. It's not there to just be glossed over. It's there for a reason. And what the author says is, this girl Leah was not much to look at. She was plain Jane. When you walked in the room, you didn't notice her. Jacob didn't. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Jacob walked into the room and he saw Rachel and his eyes went right to her and he's like, I like you. So what happens? Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, hold up, you just saw her. Isn't this like us guys? We go all in, you're beautiful, marry me. He told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. He's ready to go all in. Agree, Laban said. He replied, I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love, listen to this, I love this. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Yes, I love you. You're my destiny. You're so pretty. I will work for seven years, but it'll be like seven seconds. Guys, try that this week. She will love you. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. What happens next? Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now. Give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Calm down. Can you imagine that? Like if I were like at the, 
the wedding rehearsal, and I went up to my father-in-law, like, hey, let's get this over with. I want to sleep with your daughter. He's <laughs> like, look, man, I paid a lot of money. We're going to go through with this. You need to calm down. So Laban invited everyone, everyone in the neighborhood, and prepared a wedding feast. So there's going to be dancing and singing. And what we're going to see is a lot of things happen. But that night, when it was dark, okay, it was dark, and it doesn't say this in the scripture, but you're going to believe that it should say this in the scripture. And Jacob had had a lot to drink. Because what's about to happen doesn't just happen when it's dark. Laban took Leah, remember, plain Jane? Took Leah to Jacob. And he slept with her. Hmm. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. Now again, that's there for a reason, but we're not gonna get to that today. But when Jacob woke up in the morning... It was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged against or at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Stop right there. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? As the great Canadian poet once mused. That the trickster has met his match. The deceiver has met Darth Deceiver. Yes. He's finally getting his medicine. He's finally met someone who is greater than he in the mastery of deception. His very own uncle, now slash father-in-law, has tricked him. Look what it says. He says, it's not our custom here to marry off the younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. Well, that would have been nice to hear five days ago. It's not our custom, right? But wait, wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. What just happened? Yes. Hey, wait a week. We'll give you Rachel, but I'm going to need you to work for me for another seven years. Yes, you're deceptive, creepy, trickster Uncle slash father-in-law. Yeah. That's, that's where we are in the story. Now, if you were Jacob, everything seemed to be going great. Everything seemed to be on the up and up. Seven years seemed like seven seconds, and he can't wait the day of his wedding day. And then all of a sudden, he realizes that this father-in-law slash uncle of his has tricked him. And now he's got to spend seven more years, maybe even more than that, hanging out in the waiting. And hanging out not only uh, with now two wives... But we'll see that some other complications and some other chaos and some other crazy things happens in the meantime. Jacob is in the waiting. Write this down. We wonder if the waiting seasons are wasted. I don't know about you, but I've been in times in my life where I thought, man, I misstepped or I am the victim of circumstances. God, don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what's happening like, why are we wasting time with this? Why, why are we, we dealing with the corruption of this other dude? And why did I have to walk into this situation? And 
You've got your story, I've got my story. We've been in that time where it's like, God, we're wasting time, let's move forward. And there have been times in my life, times in this church's life, times in my leadership and being a part of this church that I thought, God, let's hurry this thing up. Let's get out of all of this struggle. Let's get out of all of this. What I didn't realize is God's hand was in it all. You see, he is more interested in our transformation than even the destination. He is more interested in you and I becoming more and more like him and loving like him. And he's got to expose some things that need to get out. And then he's got to pour some things in that need to take over. And that's what happens in the waiting. Destiny calls us, write this down, but waiting prepares us. And that's what we see over the next season of Jacob's life. You see, Rachel was Jacob's choice. Yeah. But Leah was God's choice. Yeah, it just got, it just got real, didn't it? <laughs> Rachel, oh, you're so pretty. I love you, marry me. Leah was God's choice. You see, it would be through Leah that Judah, her son, would come, and it would be the tribe of Judah that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of all humankind, would come through the line of Judah, through the line of Leah. You see, Rachel was Jacob's choice. Okay, all right, there you go, Jacob. But you know what? She's not gonna have kids for a while. But you and Leah... You and Leah are going to have a lot of kids because I am going to do something through her that you didn't even know and you didn't even choose. How many of you in times of waiting have gone after what seems so pretty and nice when God was saying, hey, 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 over here, that's really what I'm doing. And he even used the corruption of man to put his plan in place. Somebody should get excited about that because I know some crazy people (laughs) have been in my life and I thought, God, how could you ever let that person even be in my life? And he's like, look, I'm going to use that person too. I'm going to use that person to get Leah in front of you because it is Leah that is my plan. And I think some of you needed to hear that today because some of you are struggling. You're struggling with a lot and you're in the waiting and you want to take matters into your own hands. Look what it says in verse 32. It says, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Right in the midst of the waiting, right in the midst of the struggle, God enacts his plan. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. All right, it started. Jacob, and you don't even know it. You don't even know that it's through her that I'm gonna bring about the blessing to the world, to all humankind, to all human history. And I am going to bless you through her. Man, I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that. I needed to hear, you know, during that season, as I look back on that two and a half, three years, where I was like, God, when's this gonna end? It was during that season that God gave me three children. Yeah, they are blessings to me. It was during that season 
where I felt physically like I was gonna die, that God gave my wife a vision. We had never, we weren't really into that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, visions, really? People can have visions? He gave her a vision one day. She came to me and she says, hey, I've had a vision from God. And I'm like, okay, tell me about it. And she says, well, I want you to know that God said in this vision that he is going to heal you. You are not going to die. Awesome. Okay, keep going, keep going. What else you got? And you know something, when you're sick and you're laying in the bed and you're, you can't get out of your body, like there, there are some trials where it's like, you know, the boss is a little bit heavy handed or the per- people that work are bullying you or saying mean things. You, you just don't have to go back there, but you can't leave your body. You can't leave, you can't leave your physical body. Man, when, when you're going through a trial physically, you hang on to everything that anybody might say that says that there's an end to this, but not yet. But you need to hang on to this hope. You need to know. And man, that's exactly what I heard from my wife that day. And she also said something. She said, you need to know this, that that no one is really ever going to know who you are personally. Okay? You know, God's gonna use, though, your leadership in this church to impact the world. You ever have that moment where you're like, yeah, but I want, I want, I want to be famous. <laughs> I, I kind of like my name in lights. Can we back that vision up a little bit? And, and, and God's like, no, that's Rachel. I got Leah for you over here. I got Leah over here for you because that's where, the, that, that's my plan for you. And, and so... When I look back on that two and a half, three years, I go, man, God, you gave me three awesome children. You healed me from a sickness I didn't think I was ever gonna recover from. And you gave me hope and you gave me a a vision for the future. And, And you know, not only that, but my wife says, you know, God showed me in this vision that our three children who were just babies and toddlers at the time, she said, God showed me that they, they're gonna take what God does in this church and they're gonna go on and they're gonna do greater things. Isn't that what all of us as parents want? We want our kids to take it further down the field. I, just last night, my, my son comes up to me and he says, dad, I'm taller than you now, right? And there's a part of me that's like, well, you got your shoes on. There's another part of me that's like, yes, and I want you to be taller than me. And I want you to be stronger than me. And I want you to be faster than me. And I want you to lead more. And I want you to lead greater. And I want you to take this further. I want God to use you in greater ways than he's used me. And I want you to keep all your hair too. I'm gonna pray for that. You ever pray that for your kids? You look back on those seasons of waiting now, right? In the, in, the, in, in, in the time that you're going through it, you're like, why? Why is, why is Laban thwarting me? Why is Laban tricking me? Why, why did God, you give me this woman when I wanted just this woman? And, and God's like, I'm in it. And then you look back and it's like, oh, 
It's through Leah that Judah comes. And it's through Judah that Christ comes. And it's through Christ that we are here today. Yeah. You see, it's through the rejected one that becomes the projected one. It's the rejected one that becomes the projected one in God's economy. Woo, come on. And you know what? What you think might be insignificant is the very thing that God is making significant. Some of you needed to hear that today. And you know what the apostle Paul does? Is he takes this right, he takes this whole thing and he just brings it to us in Romans chapter five. Look, 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 look what Paul says. He says this, he says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We don't deserve it. There's nothing I can do in all of my strength, in all of my talent, in all of my frailty that could deserve this. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength and character. Character, strength, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. It seems like it, but it won't. For we know how dearly loved How dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Some of you needed to hear that today. You are in the waiting and God wants to remind you that he is developing something in you. He's developing endurance. He's stretching you. He's growing you because listen, he's given you a very personal and very significant contribution to make but he wants your character to be ready for it. He wants your character to be ready for it because you and I know that our talent and our, and our giftings can take us places that our character can't keep us. And that's what he's doing in the life of Jacob. He's saying, Jacob, I gotta get you out of here and I gotta get some things out of you and I gotta get you partnered with some things and I gotta get some things in motion that you don't see so that when you come back here, you are ready to step into the contribution that I have you making, and that is to build a great family that becomes a great nation, that becomes a blessing to the world. And that's what you need to know right now in your own suffering, in your own struggle, in your own trial, that God is doing a work in you. He promises you that you will not be disappointed. Do not lose heart. Do not lose your way. Stay in the fight. Wrestle with your destiny in this moment. Am I talking to anybody today? Because I need to hear this. Seasons of waiting are seasons of formation and preparation. Do not forget that. Do not forget that. Now, I want you to do three things today. First, if you're in a season of waiting, I want you to acknowledge you're in a season of waiting. Just do that today. As we come to a time of response, you may need to just bow your head right where you are in just a moment, but you may need to get to your knees. You may need to come up here and say, God, I wanna acknowledge right now that's where I am. I wanna wanna speak. I wanna give language to the season that I'm in right now. 
And if that's you and you're watching online, maybe you're in a coffee shop right now, maybe in your, you're in your home, maybe you're on a treadmill right now, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to get to the side. It doesn't matter who's around you. And I want you just to acknowledge where you are right now. You are, I'm speaking to you. You are in a season of waiting. You're in a season. And here's what I want you to do next. I want you to affirm. I want you to affirm that you're in a waiting season. Here's what I mean by that. I want you to say, God, this is a good thing. Man, it hurts, but it's a good thing. And I just need to acknowledge that. Speak that into life. God, all of this hurt and all of this pain, all of this struggle, all of these things that I can't see you doing right now, I believe that your hand is in it. I am not out of your hand. The hand of God is holding me in this place. You need to affirm that right now. And you need to tell God that you believe that. You believe that in this moment. And then ask God to show you who he wants you to become in your waiting season. I want you to just literally say, God, what are you doing in me? Who do you want me to be right now? Who do you want me to be? Because, you know, I'm running after this and I'm running after that. And I know that may not be who you are or what you're doing. Would you just tell me who you want me to be? What, What are you doing in me? Maybe I'm a deceiver. Maybe I'm deceiving myself or other people. Maybe, maybe I'm just crippled in fear. Maybe I am just going after the things that are shiny. Who do you want me to become? I want you right now just to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. I want to speak to just a group of people here today. If you are right now in a season of waiting, I want you to do something that's gonna require your courage right now. I want you to just stand up right now. I just want you to stand up. If you're in a season of waiting, because we're gonna pray for you, all right? Yep. All right. Yeah. Now, everybody in the room, I want you to look around. I want you to look around because you know, you know these people. These are your brothers and your sisters. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for them right now, okay? So I want you to just, even if you don't know them, I want you to get, get by them and just get around them. Put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on somebody else's shoulder. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. You just sit where you are. But right now we're just gonna intercede. We're gonna intercede for each other. We're gonna pray for each other, okay? So I want you to pray. Right now, out loud or, or quietly, whatever you want to do, just, just pray for that person. You may not even know their name. Just pray over them right now. Pray for their broken heart. their fearful mind. Pray for their mind. Pray pray that their mind gets untrapped from that fear right now. Yeah. Pray for their courage. You know what it's like. You've been there. You know what it's like. You You can lean into that. You can cry out to God because you've been in that season. Pray for their physical healing. Some of them, man, they're busted up physically right now. They're just busted up. They, they, they can barely stand right now. They can barely stand. 
Just pray right now. Let the healing of God flow through you. He wants, he wants to do something in our midst right now. I'm gonna pray over us right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now will come in and do what no man can do, what no teacher or preacher can do, but only the manifest power of your Spirit in this place uniting us. Break chains right now. Break chains and bring freedom. Bring light where there is darkness, clarity where there is clouds. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who are in a season of struggle and desperation, that you would give them, through your spirit, hope, hope like never before, hope that you promise you will not disappoint. And it is because of Christ that we are able to be here speaking to you in this moment, in this place right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.